Hi guys, and welcome back to Thread of Fates. This is the third episode already, and we're so excited that you guys are here to listen to us talk about some Greek mythology. I'm Kate. And I'm Sam. And we're going to be talking about Perseus and Medusa, which I think is going to be really fun. It sounds like mine's going to be pretty heavy and yours is going to be pretty light. <laughs> so it Definitely. I, I think that that is going to be kind of how that will be, especially with their stories. They, you, they only really interact like at one point, but they have so much built up around them as, as they're not characters, but characters, I guess, mm. uh, that kind of fill out who they are and that kind of stuff. And one is definitely lighter than the other. Yeah, you texted me and said you were laughing, and I'm like, oh, well, I got really upset during mine, <laughs> my research. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be interesting, the the differences between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I think it's my turn to go first. It is. So we'll get right into it. So I'm talking about Medusa. Um, her name means guardian or protectress. Um, she's also called Gorgo, um, which could be because she was a Gorgon. Um, and a Gorgon is a winged human female with venomous snakes instead of hair. Ooh. And um, their gazes can turn men into stone. Wonderful. I'd love um, to have hair full of snakes. I would like to turn men into stone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, there were three Gorgon sisters. There's Medusa, who's the only mortal of the three. And then mm. her two immortal sisters, Steno and Eurali, maybe. Um, and they were children of ancient marine deities whose names I could not pronounce. So I left them out, but they are brother and sister. <laughs> so another... Cool incest pairing. <laughs> I feel like we're going to continue to find that a lot. Yep, definitely. Um, there's a classical scholar named Jane Ellen Harrison who thought that there was maybe only one Gorgon and that it was just Medusa. Um, oh. Because apparently a feature of Greek mythology is that goddesses are made into like a trinity. Much okay. like the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, and Medusa's sisters don't exist outside, like, the mention of them in her myth. So it mm -hmm. could just be to, like, make it a trinity. Right. But it was just only her. Sure. Um, she and her sisters are portrayed as, like, really ugly monsters by ancient Greeks. But later, artists began to depict her as really, really beautiful, but mm -hmm. terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jane Ellison Harrison's, nope, yes, <laughs> um, that classical scholars take was that the Gorgon was made out of the terror, not the terror out of the Gorgon. Like the men were afraid mm -hmm. of women. So they created the idea of a Gorgon, but the women okay. themselves weren't like scary by themselves. Sure. So it was only through men's eyes that they were. Right, that they were. Yes, exactly. <laughs> not surprising. No. Um, so in some versions of her myth, she was always a Gorgon, like born scary and ugly. 
um, with her sharp teeth and snake hair and claws, apparently. Mm. Um, but in Ovid's version of Medusa's myth, she was a beautiful maiden whose hair was like her best feature, which I wow. can relate to. I feel like <laughs> I always think of that um, line from like the first, not the first, but like one, like the nineties Little Women with Winona oh, Ryder and Kirsten yes. Dunst. Yes, and, a good one. Yes, and Joe cuts her hair, and yep. Amy goes, "Oh no, you're one beauty." I feel like that all the time. <laughs> like my hair is my yes. one beauty, like Medusa and Joe. Right. <laughs> um. So apparently, she like in Ovid's version, she's really, really beautiful, has great hair. Poseidon, the god of the sea, sees her. And wants her. And of course they rapes do. her. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Mm. No and surprise. then rapes her in the virgin goddess Athena's a temple. And this pisses Athena off. Uh-huh. And instead of punishing Poseidon, <laughs> who raped Medusa. Should have been punished. Yeah. She punishes Medusa by transforming her hair into snakes and no. giving her the the stone gaze. It's that jealousy. I I don't know. I think she was just mad that like they did it in her temple and she's like abstinent. Yeah, like she's like curse the woman celibate. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um in most versions, she was the only one of her sisters who was mortal. Like I said, um, and that is why Perseus, who you're going to talk about, mm-hmm. was able to behead her. So I'll let you talk about like his whole why he was there and why he was after her. Mm-hmm. But um, Perseus does come and behead her. And she was pregnant with Poseidon's children at the time. Oh, So when he does behead her, this is cool. Pegasus... The winged horse that we all know from Hercules mm-hmm. and Chrysor. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I said that right, but he's a giant with a golden sword. They like spring out of her neck, like yep. fully, fully. Yeah, forward. I thought that was so cool when I read that, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, little Pegasus!" And all I can see yeah. is the little like cartoon Pegasus from Hercules, like so who's cute. so cute when he's a baby i like so i'm not a pegasus fan when he's like a grown-up horse he seems yeah. kind of like a dick but yeah. but aren't all disney horses kind of have the same personality they do <laughs> they're like I all never just the same thought about mm-hmm. that like is phoebus's horse phil i feel yes. like his name is phil he was an asshole yep what other and then what is chris what well there's christoph chris chris I don't know Frozen that well. The reindeer That's has a very a similar. Reindeer. He does, yeah. He very does. Sil- very similar, and then um, Tangled, the yeah. the horse in Tangled, mm-hmm. the has captain's a... horse. Yeah, the same personality. It's so it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> Weird. We've got some horse stereotypes out there. <laughs> we do. Um... <laughs> okay, but we so love baby Pegasus. We do love Baby B Pegasus. Anything that's a baby is cute. Yes, um, so cute. <laughs> so she was beheaded. Her little horse and giant babies pop out of her neck. And her sisters <laughs> try to avenge the death of their sister. But Perseus, 
he gets um Hades helmet that you talked about in the first episode mm-hmm. that makes him invisible. Yep. And he's yep. invisible and they can't find him. Um, and mm-hmm. apparently the corals of the Red Sea are supposed to be from Medusa's blood spilling onto seaweed. Because apparently... Oh, interesting. Perseus kept her head after she died, like after he beheaded her and like carried her around with uh-huh. him. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, so I think... goes on a journey. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think the bigger part, because this is like... Medusa isn't in a ton mm-hmm. of mythology except for this story of right. her rape and beheading. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think what's more interesting is how she's been interpreted and like, even though she has such a small part to play in Greek mythology, has become like someone like basically everyone knows about. Like we can all recognize. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I thought I'd talk about that a little bit and how, um, especially in like the time of like the prime maybe of feminism, um, mm-hmm. she became a symbol for female rage. Um, there's a book called Female Rage, Unlocking Its Secrets, Claiming Its Power by Mary Valentis and Anne Devane. And there's a quote from that book Um And this is what it says. (laughs) When we ask women what female rage looks like to them, it was always Medusa, the snaky-haired monster of the myth, who came to mind. In one interview after another, we were told that Medusa is the most horrific woman in the world, though none of the women were... No, whoops. Though none of the women we interviewed could remember the details of the myth. Mm. Um, And I feel like there's... So much of that, like, okay, so Elizabeth Johnston, when um, Trump called Hillary Clinton a a nasty woman or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, Elizabeth Johnston wrote an article called The Original Nasty Woman and, like, really ties in Medusa. And she said, Medusa has since haunted Western imagination, materializing whenever male authority feels threatened by female agency. Um, and so there's like this whole retelling of the Medusa narrative where like men portray her as like this horrible, horrible monster because Mm -hmm. they're afraid of female power and female desire and like all these things that come with it. Um, and she also wrote that strong women have historically been imagined as threats requiring male conquest and control. And Medusa herself has long been the go-to figure for those seeking to demonize female authority. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was all that during the um, election of mm-hmm. like the 2016 election. Um, and, th- and then when Me Too movement started happening... Medusa came back as a symbol of power for women. Um, There were a lot of, like, tweets and things saying, like, be grateful we only want equality and not payback and stuff like that. And Medusa's imagery was used for that, for a lot of those Mm -hmm. things. Um, There's a statue of Medusa holding Perseus's head. Um, cool. by an that. artist called 
Well, well, listen to this. <laughs> um, it's by Luciano Garbati, um, who is a man, but it's across the street from the court where Harvey Weinstein was um, tried in Manhattan. Right. So it's like in a really like prominent spot. Um, but it's been super controversial. Like of I remember course. our sister Dina showing it to me and being like, this is so badass. This is mm-hmm. amazing. And then like I remember reading all these articles about women who were really upset by it because mm-hmm. if it was going to be like a symbol of retribution and revenge and justice, it should have mm-hmm. been Poseidon's head. Yeah. Because he's the one who raped her. Right. Um, she's also like the statue of her is also like very conventionally attractive, very like European features. She's buck ass yes. nude. Mm-hmm. Um and it was created by a male artist. So mm-hmm. it has like a lot of like it's basically just like the male gaze oh sure um and it, like also the me too movement was started by a black woman right. and so to like make what was then like co-opted because the statue was made in 2008 he didn't like make it in response to the me too movement it was right co-opted by them by the movement mm-hmm. by women in the movement um but there's something to be said for like a like a statue of a white woman being used as the symbol for a movement that was started by a black woman. Right. Which happens time and time again Mm -hmm. and is wrong. Yeah. Um, there was, um, in one of the articles I read, there's an art critic named Jerry Sauls who said, she's still the total object of the female gaze here. Not of thought, fear, admiration, pathos, power agency, or anything other than male idiocy, which Cheers to that. Um, I think that, like, our sister Dina, who felt really empowered by it, I feel like saying these things that, like, detract from it, that it's Eurocentric, it's a male Mm -hmm. statue, it's the wrong head she's holding, um, is not to take away from women, and especially survivors of sexual abuse, who find power in the imagery Mm -hmm. i think that yeah it's one of those things where you can appreciate it it and yeah Mm -hmm. and also recognize how it can be problematic right Um, as i feel like with as i feel like with most things we have to encounter nowadays mm -hmm. really compartmentalizing like you said like the artist from the work Right, because I feel like very, very often we encounter things that can get people really, like, pumped up about something, but then not shortly after we find out, like, these other things, very similar to, like, what you explained, that then you go, oh, well, should I be pumped up about it anymore? Mm. Mm -hmm. Even though maybe it does resonate with me in a certain place. Mm-hmm. And so then you have to really take a look and like compartmentalize it, but like take a look and like analyze those, both of those things and pay your respects to the injustices that were had, like that happened. 
Mm-hmm. It didn't create yeah. like the perfect like world of this either like piece of art or this movement or something like that. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, there's also like in researching this, I I love like hoarding internet articles and then like mm-hmm. every once in a while go like spending an afternoon reading like 20 tabs that I have left up on my phone and just like it's so satisfying to clear them out after I've read them um but there was one that I read like ages ago and it was one of these hoarded emails that's called what if we cultivated our ugliness or the monstrous beauty of Medusa by Jess Zimmerman and it is Mm. so cool um the author Jess Zimmerman has like never identified as like really beautiful And she, Mm -hmm. I think there's one part in the article where she talks about how she didn't know that there was a separation, like, especially when she was an adolescent, like a teenage girl, like there wasn't um, a separation between being not beautiful and being ugly. So she thought just because Mm -hmm. she wasn't beautiful that she was ugly. And so I think she found a lot of power in, like the title says, cultivating that ugliness um, and using it as a power um there are two quotes I feel like I'm quoting a ton in this um but there are two quotes that are like so so good that I can't not share them (laughs) Um, share yes so these are quotes from this article by Jess Zimmerman um one is but ugliness is something greater and stronger and stranger than mere non-beauty it's not an absence but a new force unpredictable and unrestrained Beauty has rules and symmetry. Ugliness does not. Helen of Troy's face might have launched a thousand ships, but one look from Medusa could have sent them all to the bottom, weighted down with a crew of stones. Like, I love that. Right? So, like, it totally ties into, like, even, like, the ancient Greeks portraying her as, like, a really ferocious beast almost and then like people making her more beautiful but also terrifying and there's just so much in a woman's appearance that is used for well okay so this next one beauty is always something you can lose women's beauty is seen as something separate from us something we owe but never own we are steward we are its stewards not its beneficiaries we tend it like a garden where we do not live And I feel like, right? So true. Like, to think about how our appearance is used against us so Mm -hmm. often. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Whether you're pretty or not. Yep. Or, like, conventionally pretty or whatever you want to say. There's a, mm-hmm. in the body positivity movement, there's the whole thing about um, stop saying like, oh, everybody's beautiful and blah, 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 because beauty shouldn't be the be all end all anyway. Like, stop saying that. Yeah, no, not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your bodies allow you to do things. Yes. And allow you to like be in a really beautiful world and experience things. But placing so much value on beauty is detrimental to all of us. Right. And 
thank you, patriarchy. Like, it is. Yeah. <laughs> again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It has nothing. Like, I think women perpetrate this on other women. Like, growing up under the patriarchy, of course we do. Like, it's what we know. Mm-hmm. But women did not do this to other women. Like, if you get a group of women alone on an island, a la Lord of the Flies. Yes. You're not going to get, like, maybe initially there might be some beauty standard, weird, hierarchy stuff. But but right. by, by themselves, no way. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's so crazy. And you encounter you will and you encounter it everywhere. And from like the moment you're born. Uh-huh. Like literally from the moment you're born. I don't I feel like what is the first thing you say to a baby when they're born? It's so cute. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And then you grow up with magazines and TV and social media now, which is so toxic. It is. It's so toxic. And something and a a place in within the the internet that could be used for so much good very quickly in a very short amount of time turned into just the same toxic place that we already live in. Yeah. Just like a full-on competition. I was thinking I was just at um, Dina's house and I was driving home listening to Christmas music and thinking about like <laughs> how cute it would be to like learn one of these songs on the piano and play it at Christmas time. Like oh, I'm obsessed with I Little Women. Um, like in Little Women. Yes. yes. <laughs> It'd be so cute. But then I was like, okay, so our baby sister grew up Mm -hmm. at like this weird time where when she was probably like nine or ten youtube and myspace and all those like video picture sharing things started to become a thing yeah and i always think about this how like you look at like Allie, our little sister has always looked like she's 27 and oh not like gosh. in an incredibly old, haggard, wearied way. No. But no. incredibly mature. Mm-hmm. And I've always felt like a child. Like Oh, me too. And Constantly. I think that has yeah. everything to do with, yeah, everything to do with growing up with that social media during your like formative teen years. Yeah, because a lot, if you didn't already have parents and a, a, a female figure in your life that knew a lot of the the female primping techniques and that kind of stuff back in the day you just wouldn't have access to it i mean maybe you would have to mm-hmm. maybe like seek it out from like maybe like a friend's mom or like right, a friend like in a magazine like a or something yeah or like a magazine or something but now yeah. they they can just like hop on the internet and back then like when Allie was growing up you could hop on the internet and be like, how to do a French braid or how to do your mm-hmm. eyeliner. I mean, there are so many tutorials mm-hmm. already out and so easily accessible. Yeah. That I think it gave and, and then, th- that generation a leg up that I feel well, people more in our generation that didn't 
equally get as many. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, and I wouldn't even call it a leg up. Like, I just feel like it made it a race. Like, oh, totally. For... I mean, when you start going to school and all of the girls look a certain way and you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you had to keep up and you had to, like, not necessarily show off, but yeah. Yeah. Like, you yeah, had to keep, yeah. I mean, oh, what were we going to say? Sorry. No, I don't know. I just think it's, like, I've been bemoaning social media a lot mm. recently because it's just a suck. Like, it's just a little yeah. vampire of comparison yeah. and mm-hmm. eats away at your time and your self-esteem. And it's like, I used to play outside. I used to, like, sit in my bed yeah. and write for hours. And now I just, like, yeah. scroll and feel bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it doesn't – very, very little does it actually offer any additions to your life. Oh, yeah. Like, definitely if it does, not. you definitely have done a really great job of, like, curating your feed. Mm-hmm. But more often than not, you're still going to run across how many ads in between um, people's Instagram stories now that go, so oh, look at this ads. new shiny thing. Oh, look at this new shiny thing. So, yeah, that's Medusa's story. Mm, definitely tragic. Yeah. And, like, and so full of not good stuff. <laughs> yeah. A lot to translate into modern day garbage. Yes. <laughs> the treatment of women. Garbage. Always been bad. Oh, gosh. Okay, then I guess it's my turn. Now, this is going to be a little bit more light. I giggled almost the whole entire way through. I was researching uh, Perseus. Uh, It's wild. It's a wild ride. There's so many twists and turns. Uh, you got to you got to kind of uh, describe the interaction a little bit. I don't have very much more information to add, but he has a story built around him outside of Medusa, and whew, it is something else. So Perseus is what he's most commonly known for is uh, the Slayer of Gorgon Medusa. Um, and also the rescuer of Andromeda from a sea monster. That's kind of who he's known for. Uh, he is the son of Zeus and Danaea. And so to kind of break it down, there's even a story leading up to Perseus's like conception. <laughs> Uh, that I think is hilarious and just wild. Uh, so there was a king, and his name was his his name was Acrisius. He was really sad he didn't have a son. Like, what was me? He had all girls, and he really wanted a son. So he went to one of the oracles there, and basically was like, "Do I have any sons coming in my future?" Like he was really just he was really worked up about <laughs> this. He wanted a son. Uh, the Oracle was like, nah, 
you're not getting a son. You're going to have all girls. And she also added, oh, and by the way, your grandson's going to kill you. Oh, no. So, yeah. So he got really, really worried about dying. And so for self-preservation, he decided to lock up his daughter, Denea, in a tower, like Rapunzel style. Like straight, yeah, just straight, like locked her up and didn't want anyone to see her, be with her, nothing. Because he didn't want a grandson being born. So he thought to prevent his doom, he would just lock up his daughter, right? Like Rapunzel. (laughs) Right, like Rapunzel. Works all the time. Um, Works all the time. Well, it didn't. It didn't work. uh, (laughs) No. (laughs) It definitely didn't work. Uh, So today was really, really sad because she was locked in a tower. And so she was praying to Zeus basically for her freedom and Zeus fell in love with her surprise surprise Mm -hmm. so as Zeus fell in love with this girl named Anaya who was locked in this tower he made himself turn into golden rain and showered into her one window inside her tower and impregnated her with the golden rain with the golden rain. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely wild. Um, I When I was doing my research, I found a, a couple of uh, comments from some people, and they just really made me giggle. One of them was uh, woman, colon, breathes, Zeus, colon, time to have a child with you. <laughs> and I just thought, like, so true. Um, there was another one talking about someone saying that it was like his golden shower or something like that. I was just about to say not to be rude, but it's a whole new meaning of a golden shower. Absolutely. So, so yikes. So Zeus falls in love with this, falls in love with this very lonely girl, impregnates her and the, the, the conception of this, uh, I wouldn't even call this rape at this point. This is like straight up like magical Almost forced. immaculate conception. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, was Perseus. And now this totally made the king of Chryseus just so frustrated because now he has a grandson <laughs> and he's still really worried about being killed. So... He gets so mad and at his daughter, not at like what happened. Never. It's <laughs> never it's never the man's fault. It is always no. The fault. God. Exactly. So he gets so mad that he casts his daughter and his grandson into the sea in a chest. In some variations, it said an urn. And so, like, I don't know if it was a chest or an urn, but in some type of vessel, they were cast into the ocean. And he said, I did not kill them. Their lives are dependent on if they live in the sea or not. So, like, he, like, wiped his hands from it. He's like, I didn't kill them. They have to figure out how to survive. So weird. I didn't kill them. Maybe they'll turn into fish. Let's see what happens. <laughs> right. Okay. So I thought that that was absolutely wild. Um, 
they did survive. They floated onto and was picked up by these fishermen um, on this island called uh, Surfius. And so they were helped by these fishermen. And one of the older fishermen decided to raise uh, Perseus to become a fisher. And he was kind of like his stand-in dad. Um, and they, some of the storylines are a little bit different where as he grew up, they would go into the kingdom and the king at the time, there was a couple of different variations. One of them was the king also fell in love with Denea, his mom, Mm -hmm. and wanted her and... To be able to have her without Perseus being there, he tricks Perseus on going on a quest to find Medusa, to to bring back Medusa's head. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. um, the other one was, the other variation was everyone, it was almost kind of like that annual tax time where like people would bring things to the kingdom in like repayment of like the protection that the, the King provides and all of that kind of stuff. And in one variation, Perseus says, I'm just a mere fisherman. I don't have all of these golds and treasures to, you know, lay down at your feet. But what I can do is I can go give you or retrieve the head of Medusa Mm. for you. Okay. And so either which way you plan on looking at Perseus sets off on this quest to get Medusa's head. Um, So he sets off on this mission with his two half brothers, Hermes and Athena. And he sets out to find the Gree who are the three like craggly old, like oracles that have one eye, like from Hercules. That's the fates. The Fates, yeah. So they're called the Gree, and he has to find them first and foremost because he was told that they know where to locate the artifacts to be able to even successfully complete this mission because he can't just go in there with nothing. He needs some artifacts to be able to help him. He wouldn't stand a chance against Medusa on his own. (laughs) Without magical artifacts. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, so he sets out on this quest and he finds the Gree, steals their eye, and says that I'm not going to give it back until you tell me where to find these things. So, like, totally. I just, I was laughing the entire time because it just is so blatantly men. <laughs> like, there couldn't, <laughs> there couldn't ever just be, like, uh, hey, can you just help me? Or, like, communication. No, he, like, straight just goes for their eye. <laughs> and is like, neener, neener, neener. I'm not going to give this back to you until you tell me. Yeah. So they agree and um, get it? Agree? Because they're called agree. Uh, uh-huh. So they agree and they, t- <laughs> and they tell... Um, they tell Perseus where to find these uh, artifacts. And basically what he needs to find is he needs to get uh, the winged sandals that are very similar to the ones that Hermes wears to be able to fly and deliver all of the messages and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Hades' helmet, which is what Sammy had said 
earlier when you were talking about Medusa that allows him to become invisible to be able to slip past the other two sisters of the Gorgon. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a special bag to put Medusa's head in Mm -hmm. so that she doesn't continue to turn things into stone. Uh, So he uses the helmet to pass by Medusa's sisters. Um, And before this, he's given Athena's shield. And it almost has like a mirror complexion. So he's in the lair of Medusa at this point and is trying to work a way around the fact that the moment he looks into her eyes he'll get turned into stone. And prior to even seeing Medusa, he passes the sisters and then he passes all of the other men that have been turned into to stone to complete this mission, which I don't really quite understand why so many men wanted to kill her. It sounded like for the most part, she was just chilling out on her own. Yeah. Maybe it's cause she was powerful and beautiful and mm, very true. What, under her own agency and right but i feel like she didn't really ever cause any like havoc at all she just was powerful like, yeah in her own little all, area yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all it. The little bitch boys are like oh no we have to get her <laughs> um so he finally works out that if he uses the shield as a mirror to be able to see her and where she's at because she's very quick and cunning and a badass is a badass yeah absolutely a badass um so he basically uses the shield as a mirror to be able to see her approach and is able to behead her um in doing so like sammy had mentioned pegasus and the golden giant were born from medusa's blood which i find so intriguing it's so interesting how they weave other creatures and characters through all like the gods and goddesses and monsters and that kind of stuff within Greek mythology. I think that's really cool. It also kind of gives you a a timeline. Uh, Perseus and Medusa's story also kind of gives you a timeline for Hercules Mm -hmm. um, and where he kind of comes into play, Mm -hmm. which I think is really interesting um, because Pegasus is a really big main character in um, Hercules. In his myth or in his movie? (laughs) No, it is. Well, I mean, I guess we'll find out more. Yeah. Um, no when we actually. Myth. Yeah. I have a feeling I'm sh- that it's not. Or it's a very small part. I don't know. I guess we'll see. I, I have a feeling that he is in the same realm as Hercules. Um, or Pegasus is who I'm talking about. Is in the same mm-hmm. realm as Hercules. I don't know. Well, now I don't really know what to even think about Hercules anymore. Like from what we saw from like through Disney. Because it seems like they totally kind of like cherry picked a whole bunch of different mythologies and threw them all together. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like a lot of Greek mythology things are like that. Like, I just watched that. I mean, do you call it anime? That Blood of Zeus on Netflix? Yes. uh Mm Uh-huh. And it's, I don't think it's a real story from mythology, but so much of it, like, the same thing, like... Zeus comes in a different form and impregnates this lady right. and has a son and then they have to like it's just so much that we've already like three myths down we've already right, talked exactly. about so much of what that story <laughs> is that yeah there's a ton of artistic license people take with 
Yeah, absolutely. Which I think, please, I think it's really kind of fun. Like if you want to meld like a whole bunch of stuff together to like, that's just storytelling. I think it's really cool. So cool. Um, so this is where Perseus kind of diverges then from the realm of his encounter with Medusa. Mm -hmm. So he has to get back to the kingdom to deliver the head to the king. And he's kind of tired and it's now kind of feeling like he's on like the top of the world type of deal because he just like killed this Gorgon that nobody could kill and was super powerful. And so super full of himself. Um, so he's on his way back home and he runs across, uh, Atlas who is a, the Titan who's holding up the world. And in, that's how he's pictured in like the sculptures and that kind of stuff. Uh, but basically he's holding up like a really, really large chunk of land. And, uh, Atlas is like, well, this is kind of how it goes down. So Perseus is like, why can't you just let me rest here? Like I just killed Medusa. Leave me alone. Like I'd just like to rest in this garden, please. Um, because I'm like this big, huge macho man. And Atlas just doesn't want to take any of his shit. And is like, no, fuck you. Get out of here. And so that made Perseus mad. And so he took Medusa's head out of the bag that he put it in and turned Atlas to stone. Oh, no. Which I do think that's kind of... No, definitely not good at all. I do think it's kind of interesting because sometimes I think are all of like the really cool sculptures that have dated back from that era and that time. Like, could they all just be like real? Like, are they all just like the ones that are turned into stone? I think that's kind of fun to think about. Um, Because that is like, I really, really enjoyed the, this, this, the sculpture of Sammy, will you tell me the name of the, the piece of art of the man? I mean, is his name just Atlas? With the man on the back of his, like, holding the back, or holding the world. Yeah, that's Atlas. Yeah. I, I mean, there's um, tons of art depicting Atlas, but. Right. Yes, it's Atlas. Um, I think it's very pretty. I, I like it a lot. Uh, so, Perseus goes on his merry way, just turning things into stone as he pleases. Just uh, well, a so lot full. like Medusa, but because he's doing it, it's cool. Right, exactly. And just such Medusa a little, was- I Sorry. I know. And I think it's super unfair. After what you've talked about with Medusa, it is super unfair the way that it's depicted in he's this like conqueror. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of doing his stuff willy nilly. And being he was a demigod because he was half human and half God. Mm. So full of himself and like gets like the stamp of approval. And then while Medusa was a scorned woman for being raped, Mm -hmm. that she's depicted as this, like, thing to conquest. Right. Or conquer. Yep. And was, like, a bad bad mission type of deal. Right. She's, like, the villain and he's the hero. Right. Yeah. Which I think is not how it should be because I really don't like Perseus, like, at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... On his way home to the kingdom, he 
finds himself in himself in Ethiopia, and there is a uh, queen there that has a really beautiful daughter who is struggling with Poseidon, I believe, on something. They're like having like a little kerfluffle, and so she chains up her daughter Andromeda to a stone in the middle of the ocean to as like a sacrifice. <laughs> To, like, save them from something. And I didn't get too detailed on that because it's not really a part of, like, Perseus. But Perseus runs across this beautiful maiden chained to a stone in the middle of the ocean and rescues her from a really scary sea monster. And how the sea monster is depicted reminded me a lot of how that crazy um, half-sea monster bodied... Um, in Hercules, in Hercules, it's still, uh, yes, yeah, I think it's so cool. I was like, oh, so that's from Perseus as well, too. Yeah, it's, it, uh, it's in a lot of myths. Um, I know Odysseus runs across mm, Scylla, Scylla, yeah, there's just we'll probably get to Scylla at some yeah. point. Yeah, whenever I think of that, that creature, all I hear is that squeal, that rah! oh. all i can think of so perseus uses his little winged shoes that he has uh which also remind me of those little winged sneakers that are created from like hercules's line of apparel that he gets from the movie um he uses that to like fly around this sea monster and slay it and then is offered or because women are property is offered the hand of um, Andromeda. I don't even know if Andromeda actually really liked him or not. They didn't, didn't ever go into detail, but they got married. She probably had like a girlfriend. (laughs) Right. Probably. Um, And so they got married. So on his way home, Perseus gets married, (laughs) gets married. Uh, So yeah. exactly. (laughs) Um, So while, Perseus has been gone the king basically gets to have his way with Danaea now because there's no one to protect her and or anything like that not like she needed protecting but it seemed like Perseus was in the way in the king's way of being able to have Danaea but like the king didn't even like treat Danaea as a queen he locked her up and they raped and took advantage of her constantly so she was not having a good time um and was abused in like the king's court and all of that kind of stuff uh, so Perseus comes back and finds out that this happened, that this is happening and has happened to his mother. And he gets mad, super mad. So he basically sets out to confront the king saying like, what the fuck, dude? Like, this isn't cool. And the king gets really upset that Perse- Perseus is even back. And that kind of foils his plans. And so they basically battle each other. and. Uh, during this battle, Perseus has like conjured up all of these other people that didn't really like the rule of the king either. And so they're fighting and that kind of stuff. And he says during this battle, if you are my friend, you'll close your eyes. So in the middle of this fight, he pulls out the head of Medusa and turns them all to stone. Oh, okay. So then he finally can confront the king and basically says, I'm going to turn you into stone into this... in." 
I'm going to capture this miserable, scared, terrifying face that you have and turn you into stone and you'll be in your kingdom forever because you're going to be stone. Uh Um, And so he kind of overthrows the king in that way. Can I just say, he's literally done nothing by himself this whole time. No, absolutely not. A ton of help to kill Medusa and Mm -hmm. used Medusa the rest of the time to fight all his battles. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. He hasn't really done anything in his own, like with his own power. Or mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was strong. He was a demigod. Uh, he had like natural abilities from being half god and half mortal. But he didn't actually do anything himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Yep. Uh, he did make his fisherman father that raised him and brought him up into to be the king. So now uh, Perseus didn't want to be king. So he made his like stepdaddy be the king, which I thought was cool. It was nice. Yeah. Nice for a fisherman to be able to like get like a promotion, which was great. Big, big promotion. Yeah, big, big promotion. So... Hearing the stories of everything that was going on on uh, what was it called again, like Cyprus or something like that, in this in on this island, mm-hmm. um, Acrisius, the Danaea's father, mm-hmm. uh, Perseus's grandfather, is hearing this stuff and how oh, crazy right. powerful Perseus has gotten, and about him. yeah, right? Uh, don't because it gets really fun. <laughs> Um, so he gets like super nervous because he's hearing all these crazy stories about his grandson being like super powerful, slaying Medusa, killing the sea monster, overthrowing this king and all this kind of stuff. And so he like runs away. He's like, I, so like he like picks up his kingdom and like leaves. (laughs) He's like, bye, peace out. Sort of SpongeBob where they're like, what if we picked it up and moved it over there? Yes. Um, Um, He's really terrified because he's thinking that this prophecy is going to come true. Um, Because I think that Perseus is probably still, even though he wasn't maybe of the age of being able to recognize what happened to his mom with... How old was he? I don't think he was very old. I think it was very soon after Denea had Perseus that uh, Acrisius was like, nope gonna banish I'm sorry you. so like this 12 year old went to kill Medusa oh no 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 I mean like I don't know lots of time has passed in between these like they oh, okay. they landed on the shore he grew up and was raised by the fishermen he was like a full-fledged man and all that kind of stuff but I don't think the the stories say that Perseus was really was mad at Acrisius for the initial casting away. And maybe because of the stories that, and what that kind of led their lives to go through and what his mom had to go through after that. Maybe that's why, but I just, I was just saying that I don't think he actually was of the age of like recognizing what was happening when that actually happened. But a lot of the stories say that Perseus wanted revenge on his on his grandfather 
Um, so Christius was like super terrified. He was like, I've got to go like <laughs> deuces. Like we need to get out of here. So he flees. Um, as time passes and that kind of stuff, because of how popular Perseus is and his wife Andromeda, they get invited to a ton of like parties and different kingdoms and social gatherings, and that kind of stuff. And at one of these social gatherings, and now this is like years after at one of these social gatherings, um, Perseus is asked to play discus um, and mm-hmm. to throw one of the discs. And oh so he God. throws. <laughs> so, he, so, and he's very strong. So he throws one of the discs <laughs> and it, <laughs> it is, uh, it makes like this really, really like crazy arc or something like that, like through the air. And it hits an old man in the, in the crowd. Uh, Turns out that that old man was his grandfather <laughs> and dies on impact. <laughs> That's so funny. Right? Isn't that hilarious? Oh my God. I have a theory that like all these prophecies about sons killing their dads or son kill- sons killing their yes. grandpas is mm-hmm. always like absolutely accidental. Like I think Odysseus gets killed by his son but only because he mm. thought he was, like, a stranger. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then to, like, accident, like, just playing a game and then accidentally kill your grandpa. <laughs> right, and it's never actually, like, out of revenge. It's always just right. like, oops! <laughs> so it, the old man who, Pat, who got hit in the head with the discus uh, that was thrown by Perseus dies on impact, and it turns out to be his grandfather rough so rough i don't care fuck that old man no right (laughs) exactly i mean i don't have any remorse (laughs) right but just rough in the story of the the context of everything like he i bet he thought that after all of those years he's evaded this prophecy that this like crusty oracle gave to him when he was like pissing and moaning about not having a son yeah and in his old age gets knocked on the head by a stone (laughs) that's so funny so funny um speaking of fathers dying uh the actor who played vader passed away and i thought it was so sad i woke up to the news this morning and i was very very sad i'm confused because i think i saw a picture somewhere of him and so it was james Earl jones voice yes someone in the suit and then when they took his helmet off, was it a third actor? No, I believe that it was maybe visual. It was the same actor as the guy in the suit. Okay. Yeah, I I would believe so. I do. I didn't look too too hard into it, and I'm like I love Star Wars, but I'm not super knowledgeable on like all of the inter like inter inter goings on of like the four, five, and six. Uh, love them dearly, but. I did see it mentioned that he was the, like, the original Darth Vader. So I don't know if maybe he changed. You know how, like, you know how, like, Dumbledore changes in Harry Potter, like, after the first <laughs> right. one? Um, I don't know if maybe that happened. But anyone that is a part of the Star Wars universe makes me really sad when they pass away. Because then I start thinking of, like, all of my things that I grew up with. Like, like Lord of the Rings, that kind of stuff. And when we have it's to get to the ages when they start. Mm, I mean, the fact that... um <clears throat> the fact that Christopher Lee's uh Sir Christopher Lee is passed yeah. is I mean 
I just can't. It makes me very, very sad because I have a huge emotional attachment to all of those actors. Yeah. Yeah. And they're getting up there. Have you seen, have you seen like Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan's <laughs> Instagrams? I mean, if you look at them from when they were Mary and Pippin in like the, the oh, filming children. to now. Yeah. Children. And now they're just old men. Well, is Elijah Ugh. Wood not like 40 something now? No, and he's he not like 40. Well, he might be almost the... 40. Yeah. Yeah. So Dina was I was over at Dina's house this morning and she was playing a video game and she was like and it's a video game we played as like kids. Yes. And she goes, Did you know this video game is 17 years old? And I was like, What are you talking about? But oh my the god. The first Lord of the Rings movie is 19 years old, is it not? Return of the King, it's 20 years old. Return of the King came out in 2003, right? Yeah. Return of the King is 17 years old. Sam, that's so old. I can't. I we're literally so I can't. But <laughs> uh, we're not though. Thirty and twenty-eight. Don't next say year. it. No. I'm not twenty-eight. <laughs> I'm not twenty-eight. Hello, I'm not twenty-eight. I'm actually not twenty-eight. You're the age. <laughs> well, right. Yeah, this is like next. We're we've already. We're almost there. But like shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the age that I was when I moved from Japan to Utah. Shut up. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't love the passage of time. It's too much for no, me. No. And especially when it involves watching like your fellow uh loved actors and that kind of stuff. You know, and he was 85. But oh, yeah. still, that seems, I mean, that seems, I don't know. I still feel like people should it's live over a hundred. People should live for, yeah. well, people should live forever. Our mom's not allowed yeah, to die. Truly. No, absolutely not. Our grandparents aren't allowed to die either. No. Just, no. Everyone I know and care about gets no. immortality. If, if this was a rule where that parents were not allowed to die, I would become a mother instantly. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Probably same. <laughs> yes. Do you have uh, to keep your child, or can you just have a child? No, I think you have to keep like, it. Surrogacy. Yeah. I don't want it. But I think if any, if you are, if you are any type of parent, you just aren't allowed. Like, because that would mean, in turn, that like our parents are allowed to die, and their parents are allowed to die because they're our grandparents. Like, just right. not allowed. Well, no one's allowed to die, and then we kill the earth, right? <laughs> fully overpopulated speaking of moms dying we can cut all this but speaking of moms dying Mm -hmm. i watched uh two documentaries about princess diana oh yeah i haven't watched them yet i know i need to phenomenal i'm like obsessed now i'm like i (sighs) did not give a flying fuck about the royals until harry and megan got married and i watched Mm -hmm. their marriage and i was like this is like an actual fairy tale. Like this is actual love before my eyes. Right. Um, and then I just like passively turned on this Diana in her own words. And it's like a full tragedy. But um, I know the it's, other documentary, so, it's so tragic. It's so tragic. Um, the other documentary I watched was the one Harry and William did where they just like, mm. talk about memories and like pictures and things like that. And like, right. They were 12 and 15 when she died. 
And that was their mom. Like, so heartbreaking. And to talk about, Uh, like, how they keep her memory alive and, like, what they, what they like to think about her. Yeah. If she was alive now, like, what, who would she be now? Like. Gosh. Oh. I would let her be our queen. (laughs) She seems like she was a really good lady. Yeah, I, I agree. She had great style. I thrive almost all the time. Like, I try so hard to, like, emulate, like, Princess Diana's style in my daily life. And I feel like I never can, like, make the mark, ever. You love the late 80s? I do. I really love the late 80s, early 90s. It's one of my favorites. Um, you know what I learned? She was alive at the same time as me. For, I think yeah. she died in 96. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And, like, I was three. Yeah. Okay, should we end the podcast? <laughs> yeah, we definitely should. <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks. That was fun and not fun and fun and not yeah, fun. I think it was, yeah, it was a it was a really nice contrast. Definitely. Yeah, and definitely really more insightful and a little bit more entertaining, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, we'll be back next Tuesday another episode for you mm-hmm. and you can find us on itunes or spotify not quite itunes kate it's oh, Apple it's podcast <laughs> it's okay you use spotify to listen oh i do use spotify but is itunes not a thing anymore no itunes is a thing but it's like music purely oh. tunes oh okay yeah. so podcast apple podcast Okay, wonderful. We're basically on a ton of streaming, like, on a ton Mm -hmm. of podcast servers now. So you can basically find us anywhere. Right, Um, absolutely. Also find us um, on Instagram, at thread of fates, all one word. Find us, like it, subscribe to it, leave a review. We want to hear from you. And we'll see you next (laughs) week. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>